Hi, welcome back to the Teams Insider podcast. Great one this week if you're into Microsoft Teams rooms. We talked to Mark Lucino at BP. He is the service owner for video conferencing and Teams devices there. And we get into his Microsoft and uh, Microsoft Teams journey, thoughts on BYO devices, thoughts on rollout and best practice. Uh, he's a regular at our events and I really appreciate his input and perspective. Many thanks to Neat, who are the sponsor of this podcast. Really appreciate their support of the Empowering Cloud community. And with that, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the pod. Really excited to do this one. I've got a good friend here who I have a lot of offline conversations who I've managed to convince to get onto the pod to have the same conversation here. Um, Mark, do you want to give people a bit of an intro? I'm sure some people know you from the community, but a bit of intro and background to you and your role. Sure, Tom. Good to see you. I work in BP's digital workplace team and I've been in and around various iterations of OCS, LCS, Link, Skype, and now Teams for the last whatever it is, years. I forget. I, let's not mention the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've both been in it from the start, <laughs> which is uh, too long to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so now I work in a team within Digital Workplace, which is called uh, Site Technology Platforms. And it runs some of the stuff that gets put into BP sites from a digital perspective. So that's global print service, digital signage, and the big hot topic for us or for me is the meeting room experience and the meeting room sort of blueprints and technology awesome there's so much we can talk about and i feel like we're going to definitely need a part two here but i want to start with talk talk us through that rooms journey and the journey to microsoft teams rooms and how you've approached it what you found yeah so we deployed quite a lot of poly kit so think back to poly VSX and view stations, then HDXs, and then group series and trios. And all of our group series and trios pre-COVID were signing into Skype for Business at the time. Pretty good user experience, worked really well. But we knew we were going to go to Teams at some point. So this we started talking about our Teams journey in 2018, did some migrations in 2019, and actually finished all of those migrations literally just in time for lo when lockdown started in the UK. So yeah, March, April 2020. And so we knew if that was going to be our journey for users, what are we going to do with meeting rooms? And we really only, it's interesting because at the time there was a big, we had some Cisco telepresence, which was all EOSL. And we communicated with our business stakeholders and they said, yeah, we still need telepresence rooms. So what we ended up doing was putting in a poly real clarity suite, private cloud, regionalized three regions. And then we registered all of our devices to that. And then through that, we got the, the real connect service. As all of that kind of went live, lockdown kicked in. So we had all of these meeting rooms using this real clarity solution with no usage. In fact, at some point one day, I'll show you our usage slides over comparing year by year. Did it's it just drop off a cliff, obviously, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. There were still operations to run, so there was still some usage. It wasn't completely non-existent. But what's interesting is our leadership team were one of the first to come back to an office scenario. And they very fairly said... We want to get people to start coming back to the office soon, but our meeting room experience isn't good compared to what we've been seeing when everyone's at home working from Teams, everyone's got their own little square. And now our meeting rooms are 
far removed from that. In fact, we've got that whole bowling room, bowling alley yeah. layout, and it just it doesn't sit well with folks who are coming back into the office, especially if we want to entice people back. And so they said, what do we need to do to fix this problem? So we said the answer is Teams native meeting rooms. And so we've been very fortunate. We've got a great physical workplace team. So we've been working with them. Funding is always a challenge. So we don't have a big pot of money just to go crazy and upgrade all the rooms in one go. Yeah, It's site by site, take some time. There's some new sites happening as well. So slowly but surely, we are replacing our 1,600 video conferencing rooms with that legacy poly estate with some new Teams native stuff. That's so quite a big number of rooms, quite a big a big project. Yeah, and it's really exciting to, to do it. And it's, what's interesting is that analogy of painting the Golden Gate Bridge. You, you, by the time you've got to the end, you've got to go back to the start again. So we're always keeping an eye on what's going on uh, with our friends at the OEMs. Everyone's innovating quite a lot. And so we when something cool and new comes along we want to test it and get it on our catalogue as soon as possible yeah i feel like you do a really good job i get to talk to a lot of enterprises you are very on the pulse with what's going on in the oem space you get to test a lot of kit you seem to have the time and resources to really dig in i see a lot of companies that they try and set a standard for the next three years they're like we're going to be an xyz vendor shop what's your thoughts on that of having a single standard and choosing once versus the kind of golden gate bridge analogy of what's real now might not be real in two years i'm a big fan of standards and communicating those standards to all the stakeholders that need to know it because if it's just up here in your mind and not socialized with anyone it's probably not a standard hmm. So we, we have defined some blueprints for our rooms. What we haven't done is we haven't gone to a single vendor, and that's mainly because of the supply chain issues that we've just experienced coming out of lockdown. And it's sometimes it's just easier to get a product in one location than it is in another. So we are, our main blueprint themes, we've got a small meeting room, medium and large mm-hmm. And we've basically said for small, and by the way, that's two to seven seats. Let's, let's keep that simple. BYOD, USB-C, single cable, powers the laptop, connects to the in-room AV. Medium, eight to 12 seats, Teams rooms on Android. And then the larger rooms, Teams rooms on Windows with suitable ceiling mics or whatever it is. That's really good to know. Two questions come to mind immediately. So I guess the fact that Microsoft Teams supports different hardware different oems android and windows and has a similar experience has that helped you have options and give the users a uniform experience yeah definitely and and one whilst we in our minds think of medium rooms teams rooms on android larger rooms teams rooms on windows users don't need to know or care about the os of what's in that room yeah they just want to go in and know is it a plug in this USB-C cable or is it tap to join and that's all they really need to know. We've, we've done some little videos, some, I want to say like viral, they're, they're not viral, not that many people watch them, but yeah. some internal marketing videos, just like three or four minute videos to show some of the cooler things that you can do now that we're Teams native. So you may have Teams running on your smartphone and you want to go into it, you haven't, haven't got time to go back to your desk to get your laptop. You can open up the 
meeting on here on your mobile and say, join me in from this room and stuff like that. And that's great. I think that's very undiscoverable. I, when I talk to organizations, not many of them are doing a lot to proactively communicate. Like now we're Teams native, you have this. Like, I, I was showing somebody the other day the join a room from their laptop. You know, you mm. can pick the audio video device and have the room. They were fascinated. They've been using Teams for ages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we're spending some good money on all of this new AV. And so let's help our audience, our customers mm -hmm. get the most out of it. And it, the key point is it relieves a lot of the pain points if you are only using CVI. Yeah, yeah. And is that where is that your users are seeing a lot of upside in functionality? Yeah, I mean, it's great to see. We've got a Teams channel, of course, and we see from time to time different colleagues from around the world. Trinidad was a recent one where they've posted in photos of their new Teams rooms and, you know, always give a big heart yeah. uh, emoji. And, and quite often I'll just follow up with them and saying, so what, are, what are your users saying? And uh, I'm pleased to say, touch wood, their customers, our users are enjoying the new experience. That's cool. How do you handle having mixed OEMs BYOD, Android, and Windows, and kind of support and operations, because each of those have unique support dependencies. Each of those have unique like update processes. How, how does that look? Yeah, it's not the it's not the simplest, cleanest environment to support and operate. We lean heavily on Teams Admin Center and Teams Rooms Pro Management Portal. Hmm. We have chosen at this stage not to dive into the OEM-specific management platforms. I think that would be a bit of a burden on our support teams if they had to keep logging into these different support platforms. On the whole, it's okay. It's manageable. Sometimes it mitigates us against some issues. If there's a particular issue affecting a particular make and model, and that's the only one that we had, it yep. could knock out all meeting rooms. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't considered that of like you're reducing risk by spreading the platform a little bit. To be honest, it, it, there's a bit of that. But honestly, it's mitigating against supply chain issues. It is being open to some new cool stuff. So, for example, we were on the Logitech site customer adoption program or CAC, mm -hmm. customer acceptance. Yeah. Um, and we were really pleased with the experience we got with the site. It worked. One thing we look for is consistency, predictability, and reliability when we're talking about video conferencing. And the site, although it was pre-release software, worked really well great user experience. It, we know it's going to get better because the site will soon work with the rally bar camera to give yeah. the best view, depending on which way you're looking. So I think Logitech did a really good job, especially about that predictability piece. It's not as you go in and use the room, there's no real surprises. You just go, oh, that's, that's yeah. cool. That's quite nice. So that's good. And to be honest, the biggest challenge we have when we're talking about video kind of changing subject a little bit is what do we do with the bigger rooms like the 16 18 20 seaters the boardrooms that kind of thing and um, we've yet to find really a great 
video camera solution for that. Now, we are mm. investigating some of the multi-camera systems. But and when you say great there, is the benchmark the standards-based experience you had already, or are you looking to go beyond what you had with standards-based? Oh, yeah. If you think back to pre-COVID, you're building a meeting room and designing it for the people in the room. And maybe someone dialed in, audio only. I've pretty much got ignored. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. It's bad, isn't it? But of course, now when we think about hybrid meetings, we've probably, well, we know we've got less people in the office now compared to, that's with our leadership team's blessing. So pre-COVID expected to be in at least four days a week, in some cases five. Now we've got a nice work from home two days a week, back in the office three days a week, which is a nice mix. Mm-hmm. And now when we think about meeting rooms, it's actually someone from, I forget who it is, Microsoft said, you've got to, it's, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but you've got to design a room for the people who aren't in the room. Yes, this is the funniest thing about kit testing as well. I see so many people that are desperate to get the kit to test the experience. And I'm like, you want to be the person at home to judge the experience. Like that's the important part of the testing. Yeah, very much so. Especially if you're testing like microphones, you've got to be at the far end to perceive how good it is. Mm. And that's why it's great, like joining, for example, Assure or Sennheiser in that from their, they're in the demo room. We just join remotely and, and listen in. And yeah. yeah, when we do test devices, we test them in our lab. I have a colleague of mine, Sanj, and we take it in turns. One of us is in the lab. We've even, I'll just, <laughs> we've recently just got some of these characters. Let me show you this. Yeah, love the lab. Meet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we got some of these in recently. £10. Yeah. So for those (laughs) on audio only, that is uh, cutouts of uh, famous celebrities to do the the testing of multi-camera, multi-person. Exactly, because to be honest, there's just there's two of us. And we sometimes testing group framing, speaker tracking and all that kind of stuff. It's good to have a few more faces in the room. Mm. So they help us out with that. I'm glad you touched on audio as well, because that's something I think that gets forgotten in our space. And I see, uh, I get to work with some of the AV vendors and some of the IT vendors in the space. And those worlds are still kind of colliding at the moment, but there's definitely an, on the IT side, I feel like on the whole, there's an underappreciation for the AV skills needed and kind of the inverse, like the, the AV side often can over-engineer because they really care of like, well, no, like you need you need all these DSPs and all these mics. It's like, well, it's a you know, it's an eight person room. Would the bar do the job? Do you see that tension? Yeah, it's interesting because we still have this kind of siloed approach. We've got some great field service engineers, IT engineers. We've got some great AV engineers. But as we all know, there's this convergence going on, and there's only so much our internal teams can do and so actually we have a big dependency on our global av integrator to do some stuff that we can't do internally now maybe over time a good example is let's say a dsp we need to log on to it and tweak some settings currently that's kind of out of our in-house skill set but over time i think we're going to have to start bringing a little not all of it but a little bit more of that in-house because being able to 
tweak some settings and optimize things. For example, if someone wanted to use a room for a slightly dif different use case for what we had designed it for, mm -hmm. um, it can mean the difference between uh, a disastrous event and some very happy customers. So, yeah, it's a good point about convergence in general. Yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting. I mean, Microsoft appeared to be driving to make this, you know, simpler and scalable, but there's definitely a point, and we can argue over where the point is, where you need to bring in the AV professionals to get that really crisp experience. And audio is one of the things I see forgotten, I'm generalizing, but like the IT partners, like stretching what a bar will do, you know, like, like this is not a bar use case. You need multi-mic at this point. You need to think about the acoustics. Yeah, and it's interesting because, of course, once you go to Sydney microphones, it's a different order of magnitude in terms of cost. But I think, like, if you're going to spend some money making your meeting room work well for hybrid, to my mind, audio is always the most important thing, and then video. And it's probably audio content video, if I'm yeah. honest. So I have to say the ceiling tile manufacturers that are team certified are pretty amazing. So it's... Fortunately, I mean, touch wood again, once people have heard it, once people have heard it, um, they're delighted with it. I mean, in fact, we've just done some upgrades to, in summary, we have a learning center, which is a building with a number of different training spaces in. Because people are coming back to the office now, it was really important to, to our colleagues in the learning team to make sure those spaces were teams enabled. Previously, they had some in-room AV for voice link, but they didn't have any poly or any other kind of video conferencing. So we worked with them, spent a long time understanding what their requirements were and proposed a solution working with our global AV integrator and our partner in the UK. And they've just come in and done a really good job of basically making those rooms teams enabled. And it's quite a big room and there's a couple of cameras in there that's doing the presenter tracking yeah and you can you know, no one stands still for very long and the audio is just astonishingly good from wherever you are in the room so the technology i feel like in the last couple of years have has come on leaps and bounds and i think probably for me the next thing i want to focus on is how do we solve the problem of bringing good video to the bigger rooms you know like the large conference rooms yeah and it's great to see there's a couple of things going on. Crestron One Beyond's multi-camera solution and the Sea Vision now QSIS solution yeah. looks like really interesting. And Hudley Crew also very interesting. So we're keeping a very close eye on all of that. Yeah, it feels like we're on the cusp of that big room multi-camera scenario and the the AI direction or whatever you want to call it. Each vendor mm. has their own name for it, but like the idea that a system can take multi-feed and dynamically deal with it because you can do a pretty good job today of AV of having different manual play settings, like press this button, yeah. light these mics up, light this frame up. But as you said earlier, that's not how people tend to work. You'll give them a boardroom and they'll all decide to sit on the left because they will want to huddle together for some reason and then, then the, the layouts aren't working. So uh, I, I'm really excited for the next sort of year or so of seeing the OEMs. You mentioned the, the centre of room cameras as well. Like they're all going to have to compete on both optics and AI direction to get that really good natural experience. Yeah, and one of the things that we got fed back to us was 
what we want to see is have a good experience. It's like when we were all in lockdown, we all had our own squares. Yeah. That's what we kind of want to get to. And Microsoft understands that. And so it's really interesting to see how IntelliFrame is going to work, especially with the f- registering your face. I don't know how controversial that will be. I mean, I'm comfortable with enrolling my face into our team's tenant. Uh, I know some people feel a bit uncomfortable about that, like from a privacy perspective and i kind of get that it's it's opt-in you can opt out at any time yeah but i think for when you start adding stuff like co-pilot into the mix knowing who's saying what from the meeting room that's i mean like pretty powerful i I think the co-pilot stuff will drive the enrollment because there'll be personal value back to you um slash a bit of kind of social peer pressure of like we all want the minutes to work properly Mm. and i think sans co-pilot it would have been a lot harder because there's no upside to making the individual do it so um but yeah that's really interesting it'll also be interesting to see how you mentioned the 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 squares like that that seems to be the minimum bar for a lot of people these days but do we end up with ai that's good enough to create intelligent direction like you know pan outs to give you context of the room at the right point like i can see a point in time i think we're a way off it but i can see a point in time where a multi-camera system can start to get really intelligent with multi-mics to be like, oh, this is probably the right shot now, and this is probably the right shot now. That would be really interesting. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of smart people, way smarter than I am, thinking about all these different scenarios and how to integrate the the audio stream, or you know, the lobes from the mics, camera angles, positions. The key thing, though, is to do it at a price point where we can mass deploy it. Because right. if it's too expensive, it'll only go into a boardroom. And we've only got probably two or three of those in BP, one in our HQ, another one in our Washington office, and you know a couple more. What we're hope- I'm hoping to see is something that is more, from a price point, more accessible to deploy in any room that's like more than, let's say, 16 seats to give everybody a seat at a virtual table. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that aligns to what Microsoft's objective seems to be, which is pushing the technology and price point down so it's more accessible to more rooms. So there's not mm. this us and them experience of like there's you know a 250k telepresence room and then there's BYOD and there's nothing in between basically. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So Mark, like you said at the start, you've been in this from the early days. What what advice would you give to your peers at other enterprises in similar roles in terms of going on this team dreams journey that's really hard i'm not sure um just you know just condense you know 15 years of experience into a soundbite that's all i'm asking for (laughs) i mean something that stands out to me with you is the amount of thought and testing and work you do with the business side requirements and the OEMs. Like I, I don't talk to many other people that are spending, like like you said, the, the Logitech early access, the taps, the testing, that seems to be you, you and the team put a decent amount of effort into that. Is that fair? It is. I mean, we, what I feel is if we can have some good or great relationships with the OEMs, they genuinely value feedback, you know, constructive feedback. And so that helps them make a, better product that's going to be more in line with what we feel is right from a user experience perspective which means we can deploy more of those so mm-hmm. for me it's a win-win the effort you put in you know even 
taking the time to go to ISE or another, even some of the community events, certainly the, you know, the events that you put on, Tom, in-person events and organized, you know, being part of a community. And I have to say, you know, I think when you think about our sort of unified communications community, the content creators, the bloggers, it's such a nice community to be part of. There's always something going on and it's always interesting to listen and hear what other people are doing. So for me, it's I'm very blessed because I do absorb a lot of information that you and, and your peers put out there. So to be honest, that does make you know my life a bit easier. And I would encourage anyone to who's perhaps starting out on this journey, immerse yourself in, in the community. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one, actually, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very welcoming space and it'd be great to have more enterprise people into it as well because I feel there's so much give get there of it all sharing ideas and sharing experiences and it only adds value to everybody mm, absolutely awesome well Mark thanks for taking the time to speak to us and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out and giving us all the insight I think we'll have to revisit at some point because I, I felt like during this conversation there were a few other rabbit holes I could take you down on insights but, there's uh, probably many and by the way you of course you're welcome to um come to Sunbury anytime and uh, see us in person awesome yeah maybe we'll have to do that maybe we'll do some live videos from the lab <laughs> cool I might have something cool to show you in early Feb okay okay it's a date early Feb from the lab cool cool thanks Mark appreciate yes. it take care